Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fire the Cannon he, Podcast. Why is he always wanting to introduce it now? He never gives us a chance. Gotta get this thing rolling. <laughs> okay, so this is the podcast where we read all the books in the Western canon. It's every single one, right? Yeah, all of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And then we just, wait, I didn't introduce you yet. And then we decide <laughs> if each of those books belongs with all the other books in the canon or if it deserves to be in some other pile of books that's not in the canon, right? That's sort of what we're doing? Yeah, that's like the gist. Okay, I haven't introduced you. Everything okay. that gets fired out of the Western canon goes into the Eastern canon. So those high Jackie, he hasn't introduced you yet. Yes, yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah, now, I think now is a good time to introduce your two hosts. The first one on her own tiny little planet out there is Rachel. Hello, it's me, Rachel. For this episode, you can call me Rachel B612. <laughs> the second host who just crash landed her plane in the Sahara, Jackie. Woohoo! That's me, <laughs> Jackie. Everything hurts. My planes are all broken. Back to you. And of course, I am the only grown up on the podcast. Oh, well, that means you suck. I found all the grown up talk in this book very offensive. <laughs> I'm Theo. I am the producer. I am the grown up. I am. Theo. <laughs> thought I would cap that off. <laughs> um, is that a good intro? I think we got it. Yeah. yeah, I think we got it. What are we reading today? Today we're celebrating National Genetic Counselor Awareness Day. Yay! Oh, come on. Oh, nice. No. Not nice? <laughs> Not nice at all. Just kidding. I mean, it is that. But more importantly, it's Rachel's birthday. She's 30. Jackie is a genetic counselor, so this whole episode is devoted to her. Thank you. No. I want you all to be aware. By the time you read this description <laughs> and listen to the episode, I'll be 30, but I'm not at the time of recording. It was good that you put in that disclaimer because they would be listening and they would be thinking, this doesn't sound like a 30-year-old. Yeah, she has the supple vocal quality of a woman in her late 20s. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that sort of ignorance. <laughs> okay. Tune in next week, audience. See if she sounds like a whole new older woman. Welcome to Fire the Cannon. Yeah. That's exactly what I sound like. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Anyone with questions about why Jackie sounds the way she does? It's because I'm 30. She's 30. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But today, look, we're all focusing on Rachel, okay? So happy birthday, Rachel. She decided to choose this work. What are we doing? We're reading The Little Prince. Rachel's favorite book from when she was just a child. Among them. From like yesterday when she was just a mere child. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday at the time of listening, not at the time of recording mm -hmm. this episode. Rachel told me that I wasn't allowed to do any research on this, so I didn't. Rachel told me I wasn't allowed to read it. So, so you obeyed her. No, actually, I did listen to a bit of the audiobook. But Rachel, weren't you going to tell us something November related? Yes, I was. There's a horrible right wing guy who tweeted today. He complained that No Nut November has become too commercialized. <laughs> what do people sell? <laughs> Hallmark cards. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, I don't get that. <laughs> well, no, isn't that what people say? Like, oh, Valentine's Day, it's all just to sell Hallmark cards. Oh. <laughs> wishing you a happy No Nut November. This is what happened. Someone said, I see your, they've canceled Christmas and raise you No Nut November has become too commercialized the tweet the original tweet is wrong the origin of hashtag no nut november was solidly based on the premise of not watching porn with the intention of eliminating it altogether normies are now trying to hijack <laughs> and ruin it as they do with everything oh my yeah. god i feel so sorry for this man <laughs> wait what are the people doing they're watching porn but not uh nutting yeah like kanye <laughs> or maybe oh maybe people are making porn themed around no nut november rachel do you feel 
feel like being born in No-Nut-November ruins your potential for birthday sex. I was born well before <laughs> No-Nut-November was a thing. <laughs> I can find exactly what he was referring to if you want. Because <laughs> he did say wrong, so he must be talking about something. You know, I think I, I could live the rest of my life without thinking anything more about that. <laughs> I would not only survive, I would thrive. Okay. <laughs> Okay, that's all the November-related news for you. So Rachel did tell me, so I told her I've never read The Little Prince, but I, like, kind of got the idea. Like, I vaguely knew it was really sad, and, like, that's about it. So she told me, write down what you think you know. Mm -hmm. And I did for the first time since episode one, where I said what I thought the Odyssey was. I'm going to do this again. You want to do this now, Rachel? Call back. Call back. Yeah, do it. Do it before we get started. Here's what I think The Little Prince is about. Call back. Alien boy travels to new planet via shooting star, teaches someone about death. Honestly, that's not bad. It's not right, though. I mean, it's not wrong. It is wrong. It's not right, though, and it is wrong. But good job. <laughs> it's not very wrong. Just a little. Yeah. Okay. Theo, do you know? Yeah, do you know? <laughs> yeah, I think it's about a man who crashes his plane in the Sahara. I'm just sort of guessing. Just spitballing here. He never plays the game. Prince. The <laughs> He never plays the game. Well, I didn't know I was supposed to, and I listened to half of the audiobook already. I guess I can guess what the other half is. Okay, do it. I bet you, I mean, just, so I got to the point where the little prince just saw the other roses, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I got to that point. So my guess is now he becomes one of the Avengers. Mm -hmm. He is a welcome addition. I mean, that's not right. They say, we must defeat Ultron. And he says, draw me a sheep, draw me a sheep. <laughs> That's his power. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So in, you know, the Messiah, the handle piece with the Hallelujah Chorus and everything? Yeah. The Messiah they played around Christmas time. The yeah. one that goes, oh, Messiah, Messiah, <laughs> like that. Yeah. Handles Messiah. <laughs> um, my friend played this once. <laughs> yeah, my friend played it once. There's this one uh, movement from it where the choir sings, we comma, like sheep, and then blah, 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 like saying they're doing something like sheep do it. But the way it's set, the text is set, it sounds like they're just saying like, we like sheep, we like sheep. And it's just funny to imagine making an entire choir of people to say that they like sheep. Did that give you any inspiration? Yeah, it, it was so great to just like make tons of people say something totally asinine. <laughs> I'm a grown man. Yeah, I'm a grown man. I think it's time we explain that because this is a second time Rachel's referenced that on the pod. <laughs> quickly, Theo, quickly. Oh, gosh. It's a long story. No, it's not. <laughs> Luxuriate. Just tell it. Well, the, okay, so... I'm a grown man. So it was... What happened <laughs> was... mantra. I, I was in... Courage, Theo. <laughs> I was in the composition class at Oberlin. Shout out. No, we don't do shout outs on this show. Yeah, no. Uh, so I was at a... I was, I was in a composition class and I had a friend who was a bassoon player. I have played a lot of pranks on this guy. Maybe I'll talk about some of the other pranks another time. But so I thought, wouldn't it be a good prank if I got someone else in this composition class to send him a fake piece and ask him to play it for the composition class recital? And so then I wrote this fake this piece. This is what that, composers do. Like instead of writing the Messiah, he's just writing fake music. <laughs> To play jokes on other people. <laughs> I bet if Handel had thought of this, he would have done it. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably if right. If he was the smartest Theo. No yeah. imagination. <laughs> yeah. He was just thinking about how much he likes sheep. So I did that, and it was totally impossible to play on the bassoon. It looked more like a piano part or something. I told him to play with a purple tone and then switch that to a white tone, which none of those words make sense. And then uh, at the end, or it's sort of, no, it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, he stops playing bassoon and he just, he's supposed to yell, 
I'm a grown man. <laughs> Didn't you make him stand up too? Like stand up and yell, I'm a grown man. Oh, I think so. And it, yeah, and it was rhythmic like that. And then my friend Hunter, once I revealed the prank to him, then he sent uh, an email back to the girl who I got to send that piece to him. And he said, I wasn't sure about a lot of these techniques. So I sent it to... Josh Levine, who was the professor of the class, he in turn played a prank on her and he didn't even know her. I kind of feel like I was the only one who was not suffering at fault. from this. Yeah. Yeah. And I was not <laughs> suffering at all. So, because yeah. he got an email back from her that was like, please tell me you did not send that to Josh Levine. It was a joke. Theo made me do it. <laughs> Theo made me do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did. Oh, that's pretty good. I guess you did. Do you have anything you want to say about it? We really like it. Yeah, we were like it. Um, yeah. I remember I put a roll on the R. I can't really roll my R's. Can one of you say it? I'm, I'm a, a grown, grown man. <laughs> grown. No, I'm a grown man. I'm, I'm a grown man. man. <laughs> yeah. Can we harmonize, yeah. Rachel? <laughs> it, you just have to say it. Yeah, you're just supposed to say it. You always want to harmonize, and I always edit it out. All right, ready? Yeah. One. We're not harmonizing, though, right? Oh, I thought we were. That was the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you're not singing it. You're just saying it. <laughs> no, we were supposed to start on that note. Uh, <laughs> what a disaster. All right. Well, anyway, what I would like us to do is to... Talk about the book. <laughs> wow. No, I'm trying to decide. I think whenever one of us is mad at the other one, we're going to say, I'm going to send this to Josh Levine. <laughs> you need to say, no, please, not Josh Levine, anybody but him. He needs to write me recommendation letters for grad school. <laughs> it would have been disastrous if my friend had sent that to Josh Levine. Like, that girl would have been humiliated. Why that girl? She didn't write it. Oh, did she say that she wrote it? Yeah, yeah, that was the whole point. Oh, you I couldn't say I wrote it because he would know it was a prank. <laughs> it had to be her saying she wrote it to send it to him. You're so mean. What? No, that's nice. She agreed. Some nice shit I did. I'm a mean man. All right. Rachel, come up with different words that make me sound better. Grown man, grown man. Oh, <laughs> I guess we already did. Yeah. All right, Rachel, let's jump in. Let's talk a little bit about the background. So obviously the writer is French just based on his name, wouldn't you say? Uh-huh. His, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> his name is Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Oh. His name is Winnie. <laughs> People in the U.S. called him Saint X, so we can call him that. Oh. But he said that the reason he has a hyphen in his name is that I guess when he came to the U.S., people called him like Mr. Exupery, and he's like, uh, no, <laughs> it's the full thing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Little do you know, uh, it's the whole thing. Yeah. His family is like French counts or whatever, but like that's so embarrassing to me to be like, uh, no, I'm a count, use the whole thing, when there's no royalty in your freaking country, like get over it. You know, that's maybe the worst thing about him, in my opinion. Mm. His name, it's literally the name of the title of the count. Saint Exupery was the, like, the name of the title. It's like when you're William of Orange or something. Mm. Please, Mr. Orange was my father. Yeah, Mr. of Orange. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm just saying it's embarrassing. I mean, anyone who clings to, like, a noble title mm -hmm. in today's world, even if they literally have a royal family in their country is embarrassing. It's even more embarrassing when you haven't had a king in hundreds of years. Wow. In mm. my opinion. Nothing more embarrassing. I mean, but 
consider this. That's the worst thing about him, in my opinion. Usually they've got way worse things. <laughs> you mean he didn't institutionalize a child with Down syndrome or encourage... The massacre of Native Americans? Yeah, what is that called? No. <laughs> Genocide. I almost said genetics. Encourage genetics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he encouraged the study of genetics. <laughs> we have him to thank for National Genetic Counselor Day. Yeah. <laughs> like that. He's the reason my birthday's ruined. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go ahead and blame Gregor Mendel, the worst man alive. <laughs> Is he? Alive. Oh, he's not alive. Worst man, dead or alive. <laughs> oh, no, I've revealed that I'm immortal once again. No, that he's immortal. <laughs> no, but I, I get confused because I think it's still the past. I'm like uh, Kenneth from 30 Rock. <clears throat> oh. Okay. <laughs> anyway. I'm really tired. I just want you guys to know that this is going to happen a lot during this episode. I almost said Felix Mendelssohn instead of Gregor Mendel. She's going to Kenneth herself. I'm going to Kenneth all over the place. <laughs> no Neth November. It's the month where you can't pretend to be Kenneth. All right, so that's the worst thing about him. What's the best thing about him? He wrote this story? Uh, he fought the Nazis. That's pretty good. He fought them? That's pretty awesome. Yeah, he did. He was a soldier. Yeah, but how many did he kill? Mm, you want me to Google it? <laughs> yeah, because I probably topped him. Oh, because Jackie is immortal. No, let's not Google it. We got so it. I think if, okay, if you're immortal, shouldn't you have killed all the Nazis? Yeah, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I've had, I've had endless time. No, also, if you can't be killed. Yeah, if you are if you can't be killed, just go one by one. Just kill them all. What do you mean? Elves are immortal and they can be killed. Gotcha. No, they're no, not. They're long lived. I choose a mortal life. Why would she say that if she already had a mortal life? Gotcha. She never went to school. Yeah, she's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, she's sorry. She, like, she didn't really know what words meant. <laughs> yeah, so elves aren't immortal, but Jackie is, and she should have killed all the Nazis. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. I did my best. Honestly, yeah, if any immortals are listening to this and you didn't kill all the Nazis, shame on you. Mm-hmm. You better have started being immortal in like the 1950s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me talk about his family a little bit. Uh, his family was super wealthy for a while. Love it. And his dad... I believe dad or grandfather lost the money, so all they had was their name. So he was born in 1900. He died in 1944. Uh Uh-oh, hint, hint. And he had some sisters and a younger brother. His younger brother died when the brother was 15, and he basically, like, died in Antoine's arms. Is that who he dedicated the story to? Nope. He actually dedicated it to his best friend, a Jewish anarchist Bolshevik who was 20 years older than him. And he actually had dedicated another book to him, Leon Wirth, which I'm sure it's pronounced more like Leon Ver or something like that. But don't worry. That guy's dead, too. He's not going to come after me. So... Antoine, he loved planes. He tried for a while to become an architect and that didn't work out. And he eventually did learn to fly. He was like a military pilot and then he was a commercial pilot for a while. And then eventually he rejoined the military and flew like in the French Air Force. At a time that he wasn't fighting, he actually crashed a plane in the desert with a friend of his. I always knew that he had done that and that inspired the the narrator of The Little Prince, but I thought it was something to do with the war. No, there's like a popular thing for guys to do, which was fly from, yeah, fly from Paris to Vietnam (laughs) as fast as possible. (laughs) And while they were trying to do that really fast, they crashed in the desert. TikTok challenge, crash your plane. Yeah, basically. And when they crashed, they only had like, it was like a thermos of coffee, a little wine and some like 
little cookies or something. So they literally <laughs> only had enough liquid to last for a day. And after the first day... What a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, nothing could possibly go wrong. No safety precautions. It was bad. And they also didn't have a radio or anything. They couldn't call anyone. <laughs> so they were in the middle of the desert and they immediately, within a day, they were totally dehydrated such that on the second and third days, they were not sweating at all because there was just no water in their bodies to sweat out. And they were also hallucinating a lot. And luckily, on the fourth day, they were found by this Bedouin guy who used some sort of like dehydration treatment and saved their lives. Wow. You really think that the book should be uh, dedicated to him, but no. Nope. Yeah, you would think so. So then did that become like the new trend is like, all right, everybody fly your plane into the desert as fast as you can with no supplies and then just hope <laughs> you make it out. Hope that a guy saves you. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing the desert plane crash challenge. Yeah. Hit that subscribe <laughs> button. Smash that like button. It's just a fun thing to do with a friend. <laughs> so Vichy France happened and they sort of like collaborated with the Nazis. He and his wife, who I'll talk about more later, they escaped and they went to the U.S., but he didn't talk about France. Like, he wouldn't say how he felt either way. It's a little sus. Well, the French government claimed, like, oh, no, he supports us. And apparently it made him really, really upset. And he was, like, angry that they said that because I guess he didn't support them, but he felt torn. That was, like, his country, I guess. And he didn't want to do something against it. But yeah, eventually he did leave the U.S., rejoin and fight with the allies against the Germans, which should have been enough of a response, I think. But did he even change his profile picture to have that little frame around it? Because if he didn't do that, then all other actions are meaningless. <laughs> I mean, he did join the allies and fight, but who cares about yeah. that? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> He's a little frame on his Facebook profile pic. Yeah. He was a pretty interesting guy. Mm -hmm. When he flew, he would always take up like a book and a notebook and he would read his book while he was flying, which hmm, that crash isn't so surprising. <laughs> now, is Not at a good stopping point. Yeah, maybe, maybe next chapter I'll, I'll try to swing back up. I'll steer the plane a little. <laughs> I'm not dog earing this page. I have to wait. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently while he was in the Air Force, Whoever was like working ground control got really angry with him once because he was reading a book and he literally just like circled the landing strip for an hour because he wanted to finish his book. So he just like stayed flying for an extra hour. <laughs> I guess I don't understand the purpose of flying and reading because isn't fly like the enjoyment of it is you get to see what you're doing? Well, he had the, you know, the tiny little old plane. So I'm sure there was like a lot of whooshing going on as well. Maybe he really liked that. Maybe he just liked the white noise. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe he was distracted anywhere else that he read. <laughs> Theo, do you think you'd be able to compose really good music in the cockpit of an airplane built in the 1920s? I mean, if it's really loud, probably not. You know, because a lot of times if you're like hearing something, you just end up writing that down. So I just end up writing whoosh, <laughs> right. whoosh. whoosh. <laughs> Instead of I'm a grown man, I would have come up with whoosh, 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 whoosh. Yeah, which wouldn't have been nearly as good. <laughs> So his life was pretty exciting, romantically speaking. <laughs> so he had a wife. He didn't. He wasn't um, with his 20 years older Bolshevik friend. No. Sorry, Jackie. No one's gay here. I know you wow, want him so to be aggressive. gay. He's extremely straight. <laughs> well, he just dedicated this very sweet little book about love to him. I know. But he also many of the characters are based on his wife's and his mistresses. So he's a little too straight. 
straight. A little too straight. Mm-hmm. So tell us about his romantic life. So when he was a teenager, he was engaged to a woman named Louise, and her family was like, you need to quit the Air Force and get an office job. So he was like, okay, I'll try it. And he worked a few, like, kind of odd jobs, but he didn't become rich fast enough, I guess. So she broke off the engagement. Oh, my gosh. Louise. I know. Sorry. It might have been her family's deal, though. He sacrificed everything for her. (laughs) He, like, gave it a half-hearted try for her. (laughs) So a lot of the books that he wrote, he became famous for, like, nonfiction kind of airplane memoir things. So he wrote a book that was kind of based on him being a male pilot, not M-A-L-E, but M-A-I-L, like delivering letters. Finally, let's hear the man's perspective on being a pilot. For one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nobody's ever yeah. heard from a man about anything. <laughs> it's so fresh. Yeah, that Amelia Earhart's getting a little too, too much, much airtime, if you know what I mean. No pun intended. Wow. Why not pun intended? That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I feel like the problem was not enough airtime. Oh, Rachel's dark. See, if Jackie had said that, Rachel would have been like, what? Yeah, I know. How what? dare you? That's horrifying. That's horrifying. But this time Rachel said it, so it's just great. It's just great. So cute. And now Theo's going to take up a lot of time explaining who would have said what had the situation been otherwise. That wasn't much time. That now, if I time. had said that, <laughs> <laughs> now if someone had commented that on Facebook on when we post this episode. We would love like it. We would like it. Yeah. We would like it. We yeah. like anything you guys say. Yeah. Yeah. So far, so far. Don't push it. Yeah. So he ended up marrying an Argentinian woman named Consuelo Suncin. Mm-hmm. She had been widowed and also divorced, but she lied about being divorced and like moved to a different country so people wouldn't know about it, I guess. And just I don't know if she pretended she was widowed twice or just one marriage because there was a big stigma. So she was a writer and an artist, and it says that she was described as possessing a bohemian spirit and a viper's tongue, and they both cheated on each other a lot. Like, they were constantly breaking up and getting back together, and they had different lovers that the other one kind of knew about, but they didn't—it's not like they were in an open marriage. I think they didn't like it that they were both cheating on each other. That's complicated. (laughs) Yeah, like, they didn't want to do it, but they just kept having to, like, get the other one back. Yeah. Right, I guess so. So the rose in The Little Prince is almost certainly based on her. And she wrote kind of a memoir of her life with him that's called like the story of the rose or something like that. Was she like the love of his life? Because I feel like he positioned the rose as like, I should have appreciated her while I had her. Hmm. We'll get into it a little bit more when we're talking about the rose. But hold on to that question. Audience. Audience. Hold on to the question. Jackie's going to forget. So please remind her. (laughs) So his crash was in 1935, and then he and his wife moved to the U.S. in 1940. He published this book in 43, and he died in 44. So here's something that would make French people very angry, in my opinion. There was an exhibit in New York City about The Little Prince because he wrote it while he was in New York. And there's this article written about it that's like, The Little Prince is a New Yorker. (laughs) (laughs) Can't you tell by all the cursing and coffee drinking he does? And apparently in one of his drafts, he did have a bunch of references to New York City, but he tucked them all out. Or New York. (laughs) Sorry, I was thinking Theo would probably prefer that. But yeah, he took them all out. And it's uh, it's just pretty funny. He also was really terrible at English. He had like a, a tutor who spoke French and English and she taught him like pretty extensively and he was just never, ever 
he he couldn't even speak like conversational. Wow. So while he was in New York, he was obviously very depressed. And one of his friends, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> his country is collaborating with the Nazis and he's in exile in a land where he doesn't speak the language. Uh, excuse me. Saint exile. Yeah. <laughs> Saint dash exile. Nice. One of his friends, who is the wife of a publisher, was like, you should write a children's book. That might cheer you up. Okay, I'll write the saddest children's story ever. (laughs) (laughs) He devoted the rest of his time in the U.S. to that, essentially. And he would start writing at 11 p.m. And apparently he would get like a tray filled with black coffee and have like a bunch of cigarettes. And he would like just drink coffee and write, 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 write until he would pass out on the desk. I love that. So on a lot of the pages, you can see like rings of from the coffee cups and, you know, cigarette burn marks and all this. So he would always start really late because it was kind of like as soon as he got started, he just couldn't stop until he just passed out. Now, this is an 80 page story. So obviously it can take a long time to write something that short. But do you know how long it took him? Like did it take him like two nights of just like a lot of coffee or? I don't know exactly how long. It could have been like two years but he he was dedicating, you know, all his time to it. Two years to write an 80-page story? I was reading about the manuscripts. He's the opposite of Charles Dickens. So I was reading about his manuscripts, <laughs> and apparently he would fill a page with writing, and he would scratch out everything except one word. So he would start with, like, hundreds of pages and cut it down to, you know, 30 or something. Wow. Yeah, so he was very much like, I need to find the exact perfect way. So you know, he'd cross out a full paragraph and keep one sentence that he liked or like whatever. So he was just extremely dedicated to making it perfect. And maybe his second to last version was more than twice as long. And if you look at everything he cuts out, it's always cutting out and cutting out to make it more abstract, which is why he removed the references to New York City. Mm. And there were a couple other maybe like more pointed satirical characters that he took out as well. Like maybe he wanted it to feel more universal. He definitely did. Yeah, he wanted it to feel more more relatable, which it could explain why it's so popular all around the world because there's just not as much specificity. Mm-hmm. Also, he made tons and tons of drawings, including some drawings of the pilot from the story, the narrator. Mm-hmm. And he took that out as well because he was like, I don't want kids to get caught up in what the pilot looks like. And he had some stuff where he talked about like, oh, the little prince, there were more drawings of his planet that would say like, oh, you know, he had a vegetable garden. Garden. He would grow potatoes and blah, 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 but he never grew fruit trees because it would take up too much space. And then he's like, no, people don't need to know <laughs> if he eats or what he eats. <laughs> yeah, like Useless. it needs to be a lot less concrete. I was going to ask you about the drawings. So were those in the PDF that you sent me, were those drawings his drawings? Yes. Because they looked very, almost like something you would generate in Microsoft Paint. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying they're bad, but they did not look like a pencil drawing from the 40s or anything. No, they are. He he wrote and drew everything on onion skin paper, which is like degrading. The papers he wrote on are degrading pretty rapidly, so it's, it's very fragile right now. Mm-hmm. But he's the one who drew all the pictures, and it's not like he was purposefully coming up with like a bad or childlike style. This is just... He would doodle everywhere he went. So apparently people have found like little sketches kind of crumpled up in balls in the cockpit of airplanes that he flew (laughs) or like stuffed in his pocket. So he would just be doodling all the time anyway. You know, he wanted to be an architect, but he didn't really he didn't get training. Mm -hmm. But he's just he's a doodler. And he you know, he knows he's not that great at drawing, which is why it's mentioned multiple times in the book. (laughs) Well, I wasn't I wasn't making fun of the drawings, but I did just think like these really 
look like if you had told me that like this is the story he wrote and then later someone in like 1998 went through and made these drawings i would have believed you with microsoft paint you're saying it's weird anyway go ahead here's something kind of funny is obviously for the most part reprints of the little prince use the exact same art that he drew But weirdly, so I told you guys that because the book is so short, when I travel around, I will often buy a copy in the language of whatever country I'm in. So the problem that I was having this time is that I couldn't find my English copy, but I I found the five other versions all in different (laughs) languages. Like I found a French one that my aunt gave me in 2007 because that was, I guess that's what I wanted that year. So I've really liked this book for a while (laughs) and I have like a Danish one. I have a Korean one. And I also have one that I got in Argentina because it's illustrated by someone totally different and it almost kind of looks like Garfield. So it's just so weird. (laughs) It's like an Argentinian cartoonist, I think, but I saw it and I'm like, I have never seen this before. This is so weird. So I bought it. It's like a weird kind of cat guy. Is the prince? The prince looks like Garfield, you're saying? Everyone's a little cat. Everyone's a little cat. So that's what you mean by it looks like Garfield. <laughs> that they're cats. <laughs> Not that it's like the illustration style of Garfield. No, I'm going to go grab it and you'll see what it is. Yeah, that does kind of look like Garfield. So the cartoonist is named Nick. And that he has a character named Gaturo, which is a cat and seems very much Garfieldy. <laughs> so they just use that famous Argentinian cartoon cat to be the little prince. And he loves... Manicotti. Is that an Argentinian food to you? No, I was just thinking of another. It's it's like Garfield, but he likes a different pasta. Another Italian thing. Ah, the wiki for this character, it says, Gaturo does not speak, he just thinks. Interesting. That's exactly Garfield. Doesn't speak, just thinks. Yeah, it's always a thought bubble. It's not a speech bubble. Oh my gosh. Do you think in Argentina, this guy was like, I'm just going to basically make this Garfield no one's going to know. I can get away with this. No one's going to know. Well, Do you think so? He was invented in 1993. When was Garfield invented? Maybe it was the other way around. <gasps> what if Garfield's a ripoff? No, Garfield's from 1978. Just barely beat him. Just yeah. barely beat Very him. Very close. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that sounds like a Garfield ripoff. I don't know why someone would want to rip off Garfield. <laughs> He's famous. Could rip off lots of other famous things that are better. Yeah. He does look pretty similar to Garfield. <laughs> I mean, if he only thinks and he likes manicotti and not lasagna, I know that's one that I made up, but (laughs) if those three things are true, (laughs) then it's definitely a Garfield ripoff. And he's got a guy named Jack that he hangs out with. Juan? Here, I'm going to send you a picture where Garfield and Gaturo look very similar. Yeah, he copied this. He straight up copied this. (laughs) Like, it's even got the little hairs coming out of the side of the head. It has the whole look. (laughs) Well, I mean, he just looks like Garfield, but with, like, tumors. I think that's funny, though. I want people to just be like i'm i'm just making garfield okay all right let's move on from this but then he could be like garfield just got here i i didn't know anything about him in 93 just like everyone else i waited 25 years and he he wasn't here so i just figured all right i'll do it myself if you want garfield done right you have to do him yourself yeah what if his cartoons are actually really good like way better than garfield yeah like way better than garfield even i mean he's pretty famous in argentina (laughs) now (laughs) what if he made like multiple other illustrations of the little prince but just with ripoffs of like scooby-doo and like superman and like every other kind of (laughs) peanuts the peanuts yeah (laughs) yeah i mean i i think it would actually be better if you were a cartoonist and you did ripoffs of everything just doing a ripoff of one thing that's a little gauche it's a little gauche yeah but this you could say it's parody law 
not gauche at all. Chic, in fact. Yeah. Now that we've talked about Argentinian Garfield, <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about the author of The can Little Prince. Can you just say what his name is again, just for the audience so they can look it up? Gatulro. Gat- yeah, that's the name of the cat. The <laughs> artist's name is Nick, N-I-K. All right. Hit him up on Twitter. That guy. I, yeah, I don't know if he's on Twitter or if our audience is on Twitter. <laughs> All right, Nell. <laughs> Make yeah. a Twitter account. <laughs> so anyway, he rejoins the Allied forces and he's fighting the Nazis. At the time he was in his early 40s, which was like significantly older than everyone else. He was, you know, almost a decade over the age limit, but he petitioned relentlessly over and over again to let him back in and let him fly. <laughs> He probably shouldn't have been allowed to. His joints were so stiff that people had to lift him out afterwards and he couldn't turn his head around to look over his shoulder. Is that normal for 40-something years old? I don't know. If you're born in 1900, maybe. I mean, he literally crashed his plane at least once. His body's been through a lot. (laughs) So he was kind of like the Tin Man before he got oiled up. Yeah. Yeah, it says he couldn't dress himself in his flight suit, and he couldn't turn his head to the left. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) That must have been so annoying for everyone else who was having to help him. Yeah, maybe. It's just like, okay, all right, make sure Antoine only has the ocean on his left. He has to fly (laughs) north along the coastline always because he's got to look that way. Right. Yeah, it's... I don't know if he should have done this. He also would complain about, like, how the newfangled planes, it was basically cheating to fly them because it wasn't hard enough like it used to be back in his day. So he just made it harder? (laughs) Yeah, it's like when you're playing golf, you're like, uh... I'm too good. Yeah, uh, yeah, you need a handicap. Yeah. He's like General Zara. Yeah. I've invented a new kind of flying, crashing. <laughs> the most dangerous flight. <laughs> so he was still reading and writing while he was flying. <laughs> and he would make other people like warm up the plane for him so he could just be reading and write until he got in and flew off. On his second mission after he'd returned, he crashed his plane because of engine failure, which sure. I don't know how much was his fault, but he was grounded for almost a year. And he had a personal intervention from a U.S. general who's like, no, 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 you got to get this guy back up in the skies. <laughs> Did he hate him? <laughs> no, I think he liked him. <laughs> A lot of he was a hero to a lot of pilots because of like how lyrically he wrote about, you know, how wonderful it is to fly. Mm. Anyway, so he wrote a lot while he was flying. And eventually, while he was flying over North Africa, I believe he was they he disappeared. He was stationed with a squadron in North Africa and he took off from Corsica and then just never returned. And they assume that he was shot down and there have been bits of his plane found recently. A fisherman found like his identification bracelet. There's a body with like bits of uniform found soon after the crash, but it was unidentifiable. In the ocean? Yeah, in the ocean. All this was found in the ocean. Uh, I'm amazed they found any part of a body. Yeah, I mean, I guess it would have been pretty close to land, but at the time he was like so depressed about what was going on in France, he was drinking a lot and just always miserable. So he was just not really in the condition to be fighting in a war at all. No. So that's the end. He just disappeared. So, I mean, I think the book was published like right before he disappeared, but he never saw any royalties from it. Mm. It's not like he needed the money. Like he had plenty of money from his other stuff, but he had no idea how successful it was going to be. Mm. And I'm sure him dying, you know, like totally disappearing 
played a, a part in the book's success. Yeah. So people think he was shot down. Do you think he was shot down or do you think maybe he did it on purpose or do you think he just like got distracted or? Does anyone think he's still alive today? He would be 121 years old. Jackie, you want to think that he's alive today? I was going <laughs> to suggest that, but then I was like, nah. What if old. he's like you or like Mendel? <laughs> <laughs> Antoine, Antoine, they can't see you. Let's go ahead. He's just right there. We've been talking about him this whole time, and he's just like right off camera. He needs to weigh in. <laughs> Jackie, this would be our most popular episode ever if you got him on the podcast. Oh, he's very embarrassed about his English skills. Theo, he still doesn't, he doesn't. speak English. Oh, we have plenty of <laughs> listeners in France. Oh my gosh. He's just waving his hands like, no, 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 no. No, he's giving you the signal of, get me back up in the sky. <laughs> you have been grounded for a hundred years now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they need me. So here's something. There was a French journalist in 2008 who was investigating the death, and he spoke to a former Luftwaffe pilot who was like a big fan of Saint X. And it's when he was interviewing him, he was like, "I." He had written some memoirs, and he's like, "I am really, really scared that I'm the one who killed him." I think I would keep that to myself. Well, you gotta talk about something if you're writing your memoirs. You gotta really <laughs> leave this out. <laughs> So it says that in 2003, he stated that he became certain he was responsible when he learned the location of the wreckage. He claims to have reported the kill over his radio, but there are no surviving records to verify this account. So some people think that it's true. Some people don't. It says some of his former, like, comrades don't believe it because they he didn't say it to anyone for, you know— over 60 years. I feel like if you're truly like afraid and ashamed that you may have killed like one of the most beloved authors of all time, I feel like you would keep that a secret. I mean, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't talk about it if I had done it. I also wouldn't. Rachel did it. If I had <laughs> been in the Luftwaffe, I wouldn't say a damn word about it for the rest of my life. Right. <laughs> if I did away with Jimmy Hoffa, I wouldn't did say I, it. Did I told you guys, uh, I did. <laughs> I told you guys I killed some famous authors. It, I told you I killed Jimmy Hoffa, didn't I? No, um, I think I've mentioned this over text, but I didn't say it on the podcast before. So we had a German exchange student, Romea, and when I visited her in Germany, I met her very old grandfather who was in the German Navy in World War II, like quite, he's quite old. So he, he spoke really, really good English and he talked to me, like he had a good time talking to me. I don't think her grandmother really spoke any English. So it was mostly me and the grandpa talking. And then when we left or when I was leaving, he was like, here, I'd like to give you a present. And he gave me a bottle of his aftershave that he likes, that he's been using for like 80 years. For you or to give Yeah, to... he gave it to me. He's like, I want you to have this. To sprinkle your pillow with at night. So you've smelled like him ever since. Yeah. That's why Rachel smells like an old German man. <laughs> yeah, the mystery is revealed. Here's a present I got from an old man one time when I worked at Smithfields and I was in high school. I was probably like 16 or 17. Oh, gosh. And we didn't really get a whole lot of tips at Smithfields. Like some people left tips, some people didn't. But there was like this old, old man who was in there with his old, old wife. And he was like very, very shaky and like kind of unsteady on his feet. And so I like served him and then he was leaving, but he came up to the counter to find me and he holds out his hand and he's like shaking, shaking, shaking. And he said, 
Oh, I gosh. got these for you because you're so pretty. And then he drops into my hand just a handful of regular rocks, like from the parking lot. Wow. <laughs> I remember yeah. this story. And I was just like, what do you give the girls who you don't think are pretty? <laughs> what did he like, say? I didn't say that, but I was just like, oh, thank Jackie. you. And then his wife came back later and like gave me money. I thought you were going to say his wife came up and was like, you, you gave stay her away rocks from my husband. Too? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. little hussy. She shows me her engagement ring and it's just like a slab of granite or something. What if he just just pranks people because he knows like they'll think oh he's an old man this is so cute i'm gonna be doing that <laughs> yeah just giving people like rocks like random rocks and garbage and I, stuff I got, I got these for you back in my day we used to give each other rocks instead of paying for meals see ya <laughs> <laughs> no but the the joke is that you know he gets to go home at the end of the day thinking of like all the different people he's convinced are like really special by having been giving these rocks and like there's probably like 60 to 70 young girls out there who are like keeping this handful of dirty <laughs> rocks from the parking lot number one do you think every girl who's received the rocks has started a podcast and discussed it number two do you still have the rocks Ooh, the rocks might be magical is that what you're saying like they cause you to start a podcast like 15 years later? Yeah, <laughs> pod rocks. <laughs> I mean, if I had kept the rocks, I probably would be a lot more beautiful than I am. Oh, Jackie. So I must have gotten rid of them. I thought you were like, so look at me now. Obviously, I have the rocks. <laughs> so here they are. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I had them implanted in my abdomen. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was supposed to be like a test. Like that guy comes in every Sunday and then he either gives you rocks that day or he doesn't, depending on how good you look that day. Or he just looks at you and shakes his head and just walks mm -hmm. away. <laughs> yeah, like he's nice. holding his hand full of rocks and then he just shakes his head and drops them on the floor. And then he just leaves. <laughs> Not today. Not giving you any rocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think if he gave me the rocks two times and then yeah. the third or fourth time didn't do it, I would be like, what did I do wrong? And then I'm going to like, yeah. yeah, serve him like really well the next time. Like you're going to, I'm going to stand next to you. And every time you take a sip of sweet tea, more. Yeah. I want to be rock worthy. Oh man. Have you ever gotten a strange gift from an old man, Theo? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Old men don't tend to talk to me. Why not? Yeah. What are you doing wrong? <sighs> Not pretty enough. <laughs> See, now I'm jealous of Jackie's rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe somebody will give you a rock one day. All right. So shall we start the story? Yeah. All right. So I actually, weirdly, I do want to start with the dedication. Mm -hmm. That's so weird. Are you serious? <laughs> I know. I'm a fucking freak. <laughs> oh, God. Our audience is going to be so put off by this. <laughs> the reason I like it is because he starts dedicating it and then he has a whole paragraph where he's like, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Let me fix that. <laughs> Do you want me to read it real quick? Yeah, just read it. To Leon Worth, I ask the indulgence of the children who may read this book for dedicating it to a grown-up. I have a serious reason. He is the best friend I have in the world. Aww. I have another reason. This grown-up understands everything, even books about children. I have a third reason. He lives in France where he is hungry and cold. He needs cheering up. If you, all these okay, reasons are second. not enough. Are you really not seeing how I think he might have been in love with this guy? Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> Fine. He needs cheering up. If all these reasons are not enough, I will dedicate the book to the child from whom this grown-up grew. All grown-ups were once children, although few of them remember it. And so I correct my dedication. 
to Leon Worth when he was a little boy. <laughs> okay. Jackie, you had a point to make? Well, I yeah, no, I was just going to agree that the, the dedication is kind of funny because if I were Leon and I read that, I would feel a little upset about the fact that he took away the dedication to the self that I am now. And it was like, actually, just kidding, to you a long time ago. But I'm here now, you know? I still want that dedication. I'm here in France. I'm cold. I'm hungry. I'm cold and hungry. And thoughts like that are what make me target my scorn at you. That's I don't it. think that. <laughs> no, I feel like I'm I've done kidding. a lot I of love other you guys. things. You're, you're, you're kid-like. You're kid-like. <laughs> Theo oh, loves kids. Terrible. <laughs> okay. Theo so, is like confusing himself, I think, with like, what is he trying to do right now? I don't know. Let me talk about the structure of the book real quick. It has how many chapters so it's it's a little over 80 pages and it's 27 chapters so they're quite short and we're not going to be saying like chapter one blah 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 so you'll just figure it out you'll just figure there are it also out. tons of illustrations like at least one illustration i would say on every two pages or so right adults love figures <gasps> rachel oh <laughs> i'm adulting i don't know how many pages this thing has i don't care so <laughs> the book opens with something that I think is very charming, and I would like to get Theo's take on it. So he listened to the audiobook, Rachel. He doesn't know the oh, drama. Oh, right. He didn't see it at no, all. No, Rachel, just send him the image and ask him what it is. It's a hat. <gasps> God damn you. No. no, he knows the answer. I know. Okay. So it starts with the narrator saying, like, I, I read something about boa constrictors when I was six. You know, he was like, oh, my gosh, they swallow their prey whole, and then they sleep while they digest. That's fascinating. So he drew a picture of a boa constrictor after it had eaten an elephant, kind of like the outline from the side. It's just a brown lump. And he says he would show all the grown-ups. <laughs> Unfortunately, the grown-ups are right. It does kind of look like a hat. Oh, I see. I'll never admit that. So he says that he would go around and show it to grown-ups and say, does this scare you? And they would be like, no, it's a hat. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, when I didn't, because I never read the story before, when I didn't know what the next line was going to say, I thought the fact that he's asking me that does kind of frighten me. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, yeah. I'd be it like, does. yeah, that does scare me. <laughs> this hat is terrifying. <laughs> no, I would think, I don't know what that is. If you're asking if I'm afraid of it, it could be anything. So, yes. <laughs> it sounds like he's setting you up for something, right? Like he's about to trick you. Like he's going to poke his hand through and jab you in the face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I went to one of those like haunted theme park things this past weekend, and I knew that what I dread the most is seeing like a kid that's dressed up like a zombie that's like chasing you around. That's the scariest to me. So if a little kid asks me, are you frightened of this? I'd say genuinely yes. <laughs> if a little kid was just walked up to you and asked if you're scared. Yeah. You don't think kids are scary ever? I mean, not in real life, no. Just in this hat story? No, I wouldn't be afraid of the child. But if he was like, it's a boa constrictor, I would be like, well, I'm not afraid of boa constrictors either, kid. Never have been. <laughs> I mean, I'm not afraid of pictures of boa constrictors for sure. I'm not afraid of the animals. If I were an elephant, I'd be afraid. If I were an elephant inside the stomach of a boa constrictor, <laughs> I'd feel pretty afraid at that moment. I would just poke my way out. What if a kid you didn't know walked up to you and said, here's a drawing of you inside a boa constrictor? What would you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if, if they said it in a way that made them seem like they could see the future, then I would be a little scared. Okay. 
So anyway, so then he drew a picture that was kind of like x-ray vision almost. So you could see the outline of the snake around an elephant. And it says he showed it to adults and was like, are you scared now? And they would say, quit drawing and go to school. <laughs> so he says he stopped drawing. And that's why the, the illustrations in this book are so bad. Mm-hmm. And that he carried the picture, the first one around with him. And whenever he would go to a party and meet another adult who seemed pretty cool he would show them the picture and say what do you think and they would be like nice hat and then he was like okay they're not a kindred spirit time to talk about stocks and golf yeah they failed my litmus test but here's what i really like about that chapter is i kind of feel like maybe everybody feels this way but when you make friends as a kid it kind of feels like it's almost too easy you know and as you grow older though you realize I don't really have anything in common with this person. They've changed or I've changed or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so then when you're an adult and you're making friends with people, I personally do feel like a lot of the time I will meet people who are very nice, but I'm kind of like, I don't really want to be friends with you. Mm -hmm. They're perfectly nice, but I'm kind of like, I don't think that we get each other. I think that the things you care about are different from what I care about. Like, I don't want to talk about work. (laughs) You know, I'm not interested in saying, like, what are my five-year career goals? Yeah. But don't you think, like, you kind of have to, like, do that stuff for, like, a few weeks and then you get over it and then you talk about real stuff? Honestly, no, because none of the people who I've become really good friends with as an adult are people where I started like that. Yeah, I absolutely hate that because I never get out of that phase if that's the phase we start in. Hmm. Like if I find someone who has childlike wonder, then I know we're friends immediately. No one's ever revealed to you later that they have childlike wonder. Um, I don't know. I feel like that can happen. It's never happened for me, though. Well, I think like I've had friendships where I reveal more of my silly side as we get to know each other better. But don't you think you let it peak out from the beginning? I don't know. It certainly depends on the circumstance. I think anxiety doesn't let that happen a lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of times. Hmm. Mm. I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Jackie? Well, I feel like I've made friends as an adult like through like being forced into things with them like in school or whatever, but then since that's ended, the only way that I've really made friends is by like intentionally going out and joining like Bumble BFF. And then I feel like they can tell that I'm weird from the beginning because it's like a dating profile and mm-hmm. it's apparent. <laughs> it's a dating profile? Bumble is a dating service, but they have a BFF version where you just look for friends. But it's set up in a similar way. Yeah. Yeah. I've made three friends and one of them, we've done nothing but talk about Halloween. Mm-hmm. And now that Halloween is over, I'm legitimately worried that we won't have anything. <laughs> I'm serious. And I almost said it to her yesterday. She texted me on Saturday and was like, happy Halloween Eve. And I was like, you too. And then on it's the end of on our friendship till next on year <laughs> on Sunday, she was like, happy Halloween. And I was like, happy Halloween to you too. And then I almost said to her, I'm a little worried. We're not going to have anything to talk about after this. You almost said that or you did say it? I almost said it. I didn't say it. I would have said that immediately. I also think <laughs> this is something very interesting yeah? to have a Halloween friend. Well, we've talked, we've met twice and we've talked about other stuff other than Halloween, but a large part of it is Halloween. <laughs> what if you just decided you and I are only going to speak in the weeks leading up to Halloween? Like September through October. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to have so much to talk about. Yeah, because we can catch up a lot. Like, what'd you do this year? Pack a year's worth of friendship in one month. (laughs) I guess you could do two months. Yeah. Mm -hmm. September, October. That's a reasonable friendship. Six months per month. Well, this is only the first uh, Halloween that we've been friends. So So that's my third Bumble friend. And I think that I'm done with Bumble friends now. I think I've got my three and I'm good. Well, I'm wondering now. (laughs) I'm wondering now if someone did propose this idea to me to say, 
Theo, let's be friends during these months of the year. And we'll be like really intensely friends during these months, but yeah. we won't talk to each other for the other parts. I mean, that would just be so interesting to me. I would have to do it. Give it a try at least. That's a good idea because you could have, you could have six to 12 best friends, like best friends that you're like, we're going to do almost everything together yes. and we're going to be each other's ride or die for like a month or two. Yes. And then we're going to get sick of each other, but we won't have to do it again until next year. So you're always going to have a best friend that you can hang out with all the time. It's just going to be a different one. It's perfect. I think that's a good idea. All right. We've reinvented friendship. And if you really love each other and miss each other, you go back to it. We could be springtime and autumn buddies. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't half-ass it, Jackie. Don't half-ass it? Yeah. Don't half-ass one friendship. Whole last 12 friendships. Per, <laughs> one per month. <laughs> Wait, I thought you were yeah. saying you were, you were going to start seeing them other times of the year. Yeah. If, if I really like them. That shouldn't, he doesn't even want that on the table because yeah, then not... he would have anxiety if they don't call him. That it's oh, you're right, like you're him. right. That's so true. Yeah. But if you can be very clear about your friendship and the parameters that it needs to fit into. There were, remember yeah. like these like little dating game things on Facebook, like back in high school and it would be like, yeah, mafia you wars. would tell it like who you Farmville. liked and then, <laughs> yeah, Candy Crush. No, like you would tell it who you liked among your friends and then it would only reveal it to them if they also chose you. Ah. People would lie. People would lie just to like see who liked them or whatever. I never but, played that game. Okay. But I feel like we should do that for friendships. Like if I really want to be your friend, like outside of the month of October, yes. I have to tell, the, tell you that, but it only gets revealed if you feel the same way. I feel like we should do that. Mm. Okay. Hmm. Let's the three of us do it with each other. <laughs> yeah, because we're not friends outside of this podcast. <laughs> but, but then you, if you're only friends with that person during October. If only the two of you have this pairing, what are you doing with this? So we we agree we're going to hang out exclusively during the month of October. But then at the end of the month, it's like, would you like to continue this friendship longer? And then it only does it if you both agree. Okay. So that way no one has to be embarrassed by saying like, hey, I'd like to be your friend. Oh, and the other one's like, oh, I see. yeah. I see. Okay, that's, that's great. great. That's great. Great idea. <laughs> Except I still don't like it, but it's good. <laughs> I like the October friend. The October okay. friend. Okay, everyone. So we've given you an introduction to the author, the book, a little bit about World War II and click <laughs> In case you don't know anything. <laughs> we introduced the possibility that St. X might still be walking around out there. Sitting next to Jackie in her house, <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. He's the October friend. Uh, I had a fun time with this episode. I felt more relaxed, felt more loose. <laughs> Those Dune episodes really took it out of me, to be honest with you. <laughs> Theo seems a little uptight, but, you know, it's just because he's got to go do adult stuff. Yeah, we got, we're got we on the clock, 7.30. I'm all about numbers. I'm an adult. I'm all about numbers. <laughs> we still haven't explained what that means. But. Uh, well, we'll explain it next time we do a Little Prince episode, which will be in two weeks. So you sh if you haven't read the book before, it's only 80 pages. Please do read it. I think you'll enjoy the discussion a lot more if you get to see the illustrations yourself. So I highly recommend you do that between this I'll episode post and the on next. Instagram, guys. Don't worry. You don't girl, have to read anything. Don't worry. Girl, post them. no, we want them to read. Oh, well, anyway, thanks for coming to my special birthday episode. Why is Theo taking uh, off his shirt? <laughs> it's, it's traditional. <laughs> my special birthday episode of Fired the Cannon. I forced them to cover The Little Prince, but it's appropriate because this is a classic book, one of the best selling books ever. And I hope that they see why. And that you also see why. So if you'd like to keep up with us, we have an Instagram and Twitter at Fire the Cannon Pod. 
We have a Facebook group, a discussion and announcement group, Fire the Cannon Podcast. We also have a Gmail. It's firethecannonpodcast at gmail.com. Nice. If you enjoy what you're listening to, we surprisingly had to pay for our Zoom subscription <laughs> recently. And if you'd like to chuck a little money our way to help that feel less painful, please go to patreon.com slash firethecannon. Chuck it. Chuck that money. (laughs) I would like to dedicate this past episode to all of our listeners when they were little children and us as well when we were also children. Yeah. Gosh, those were the days. Those were the days. Okay. I guess that's that for now. Uh, uh, au revoir. What? Oh, okay. (laughs) Sounds like you were saying, uh, uh. (laughs) I almost said adios. Love you too, Theo. Love you too, Theo. I was talking to the audience, but yeah, sure. You you guys too. Oh. No, we were pretending to be the audience saying it back. Embarrassing. That's what our audience sounds like. Always talking through their teeth. (laughs) I love this podcast. We love the podcast. (laughs) Can't wait to chuck money. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to hang up.